our text for today. Jesus said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. In whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be with you. In the name of Jesus, I don't think Jesus' instructions for us today would go over very well with the missional crowd in our own synod or other denominations. Why, you might ask? Oh, pastor, you might say, don't dare poke fun at, at, at mission and witness and evangelism. But wait, Jesus is very specific and orderly here about the labor's and about the harvest. This occurred to me this last week as Pastor Grady and I were privileged, thank you, to study up at the seminary for a week, the annual symposia, symposia plural for symposium. Two different conferences, if you will, one that's exegetical in nature and the other one that's, well, let's just say a little more thematic or topical. And all of these discussions and papers that we receive from academics, professors, and pastors, we focus this year on the atonement, about how important it is to look to and to believe in the Lamb of God that truly takes away the sin of the world, and how that Lamb still comes to us here today, of how important even order in the church is. Jesus sends out first the twelve. And before he sends them, he calls them. They are the apostles, as you well know. But today in our text, as we give thanks for Titus, we hear from Luke 10 of his appointment of 72 others. We actually have a few manuscripts that say 70 and some say 72 and Some say, well, it might be akin to the 70 elders of of Moses, or there might be a connection to the Septuagint, and I would just tell you, don't worry about the number. The point is that Jesus signals out, chooses, some 35 or 36 pairs of men. Not in a Noah's the Ark fashion in terms of male and female, but rather that with two men called to do the work, there are two witnesses. Two witnesses now to observe and to render judgment according to Deuteronomy 19 and Numbers 35. And Jesus specifically sends them out in advance of himself. These now 70 or 72 pastors who follow, if you will, the work of the twelve, are to go. To go to towns, and most specifically to go to homes, and to greet people with the presence of the Lord in their very body. To say to them, peace be with you. To allow the presence of Christ to come through their ministrations, through their presence, even resulting, as Dr. Arthur just says, in a holy and familial meal, in eating and drinking together. 
Now, Titus, most scholars and church fathers will tell you, was most likely one of these 72. Titus appears appears specifically later on the scene, accompanying Paul on his second missionary journey, and then subsequently after that to Corinth, to Crete, to Nicopolis and Dalmatia. Titus, unlike Timothy, is a little more of a, well, a little more of a Peter figure. Titus is kind of bold and firm and powerful, and he does the Lord's work as he has been called to do. But what, you might say, does that have to do with missions and evangelism, Pastor? Well, I would say that Jesus gives us an order for such things. And so while at the seminary last week, as I sat at the feet of so many of these beloved professors, I marveled at how we still have things ordered today. I also marveled at how the Lord calls us to trust that He is yet at work. Why is that, you might say? Well, we have more more churches that need pastors than we do pastors right now. And we might be, well, we might be tempted just to take things into our own hands and say, well, not sure if Jesus is really going to provide for what we need. So we'll come up with our own way to figure these things out. One of the wonderful things we're blessed with at both of our seminaries here in the States is the gift of tuition for these young men. Currently, At both seminaries, our students studying to be pastors are able to attend there, having their tuition paid for. What a great blessing. We have one more seminary, St. Catherine's Seminary. And, of course, the buzz on campus this last week was, who's going to be the new president down at my alma mater at St. Louis? And, of course, there's all sorts of opinions about these things. Some think we should take these two or maybe three seminaries and merge them into one because how wonderful that would be to have three times as many people walking the halls and crowding the lecture halls, just like you're probably tempted to think, oh, my, this church isn't completely filled every Sunday. I'll go somewhere else where it's wall-to-wall full of people because that surely is a good indicator of whether or not the gospel is there. So where is the precious gospel? Where does Jesus promise to be? Ironically, he sends these 72, most likely Titus, Some scholars and church fathers think that Titus might actually be the brother of Luke, but we don't know all these details, but some interesting connections might be there. He says, go your way. One, continue to pray to me first and foremost that I would send labors into the harvest. Don't take this upon yourself, but pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send labors. Thus, we pray Every Sunday in our prayers of the church, not just for our elected officials in the kingdom of the left, but also within our spiritual kingdom here on earth, within the church, we pray for our pastors, for our seminarians, for our teachers. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. And go your way, I am sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Jesus is very clear that the work now of these pastors and thus the work of the Christian church is going to be beset by those who will misunderstand and attack the teachings of Christ. 
Some of you might say, as you stood out in the narthex, how in the world could we have little tiny fetal models of babies out there? Or how could we have brochures that would speak against abortion or homosexuality? These things, dear pastor, would only create conflict in the world. Therefore, we should not speak of them. We should rather just love everybody and convince them to come to church and, and whatever they want to believe, they can believe, but we'll put our arms around them and just hug them to death. It probably would be a hugging to death, a spiritual death. The Lord himself is very clear on what his word says and what it does not say. And we are called as thus his disciples, thus as believers, thus as not just the priesthood of all believers, but the church itself to follow his word, to follow his commands. And to recognize that the world will not tolerate this. That the devil, the world, and our sinful nature is constantly attacking us, tempting us to ignore how Jesus may create the church, to how faith may be created, to tempt you into thinking that, well, God's Word certainly doesn't speak to such things as life or sexuality, to think that such things don't matter. Jesus tells them, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Now I have to tell you, I'm a graduate of Mission Planners Institute from the Center for U.S. Missions, which used to be a registered service organization of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. I, your senior pastor, was specifically trained for starting and planting churches. And it was required of me that I submit business plan after business plan of my intentions of how the church should grow in the place to which I was called. And I naively but dutifully did. My first business plan, I mean mission plan, involved the creation of not one but ten churches within ten years' time. That's right. Ten different churches would be started, one each year, within the place where I was called to serve. After all, multiplications for the church is like bunny rabbits. You gather a few together, and all of a sudden, you'll get many more. But wait, I learned quite later, when it was difficult and challenging just dealing with one mission plant, much less ten, I learned to ask the question, where is Jesus in the midst of my plans? Where is the work of the Holy Spirit in the midst of all these things? Now, to be fair, planning is not bad. We are in the midst of that here at Advent. What comes next? Mortgage paid off, thanks be to God. School, land development, other things. What are we to do next? And we have embarked on, on great plans and insight with that, although we have not decided anything just yet. The only counsel I would give to not only any of our leaders, but to all of us together as the body of Christ here at Advent is simply this. The Lord will provide. He always provides he cares so much for his church that he sends out these 72 pastors out ahead of them. And the task, the task of, of proclaiming, of carousing the gospel is so important 
that all would be pointed, as does John the Baptist, to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that he even says, greet no one on the road. Completely different from how I was trained as a missionary pastor. Matter of fact, greet everybody on the road. Talk about Jesus everywhere and every place you can. Go hang out at the local Starbucks. Walk the aisles at the hardware store and Lowe's. Hang out at Chick-fil-A. Perhaps stand out there in the drive through line with your pamphlets and your flyers. And in all of this, take all these times to evangelize because if you fail to do that, somebody may go to hell. And thus even you, as laity, have had such a burden placed upon your shoulders of those who have preached to you and taught to you that that you must be a minister for the gospel, that you must witness every waking moment of your life, and if you fail to do that in your classroom, on the court, or at your job place, that you are no Christian and that others are perishing because you have failed your duty. And I would say to you this day, at the risk of offending some of you, nonsense. For God is a God of order, not a God of doubt. Our early confessions of the Lutheran Church, one of the very first ones, is known as the Augsburg Confession. Dated 1530, the Lutheran Reformers were required to defend now their faith before the emperor to explain why they were, well, standing in stark contradiction to the Roman Catholic Church and why there was now strife and contention there in all of these German provinces. The first three articles of the Augsburg Confession are are pretty basic and widely accepted by almost any Christian denomination, dealing with the Bible being God's Word, dealing with God being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But when it gets to Article 4, it gets very interesting It talks about faith, and not just faith, but justifying faith. By the fact that in believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and believing that He has laid down His life for your sins and mine, that He is the Lamb of God to come, in believing that you are redeemed by His holy precious blood, and not by your own works or your own plans or ministrations, that this faith now justifies you before God. Now, Article 4 is great, but do you know what Article 5 is about? To obtain such faith, Article 5 says, to obtain such faith, God instituted the office of the holy ministry. That is, He established the church. He established pastors now, as were the twelve, as were the seventy-two, to give out now His gifts. Thus, witness, evangelism, the very presence of Christ comes through the ways and means that Christ gives. You see, your job as a layperson, as it were, is to live in your vocation, to use your gifts, your abilities in in service to your neighbor, to be the best fill-in-the-blank, firefighter, lawyer, accountant, doctor, father, mother, that you can be. There is great freedom that comes in this proper doctrine of vocation. But also for the church, 
What a great blessing we have that God has promised the presence of His very Son. The presence of the Messiah, the Lamb of God, who has atoned for all sinners to come near to us in word and in sacraments. Thus we celebrate this day, Titus. Matter of fact, during this Epiphany season, you'll, you'll see festival days, if you will, for Paul and for Timothy and for Titus. And methinks this is not without reason, for Epiphany is all about the light of Christ that is now shown, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, to us. To the light that still comes here today to recognize what we here at Advent have been, have been given. Such a wonderful treasure. The precious and holy gospel of who God is. Of what Christ has done. And now through this place, through our school, we celebrate National Lutheran Schools Week this week. Through all the things that we do The light of Christ that that goes forth in a very orderly and wonderful and yet a very powerful, a very didymous way. Because through His Word, through His sacraments, this faith is created. And the Lord desires to bring you and gather you here. Not just on the roads with idle conversations, but to bring you to this place. For now, the 72, what were they called to do? Go and be there with the family, with that household, a very intimate and wonderful meal. And thus, Christ comes to you today, doesn't He? Such wonderful fellowship. He comes now as as your head, as your Savior, as your Redeemer. And He comes and He serves you here at this simple rail. Simple bread and simple wine that at His word and command is is His body and blood, a medicine of immortality for you to eat and to drink, for you to be refreshed, to be sent back out this week to wherever you are called to be, to whomever you are called to serve, and to be filled and strengthened with forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10, we're told that we carry in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in the body. Thus these 72 were sent out that all may know in preparation for Jesus that the kingdom of God has come. And thus your Lord still comes today in such an intimate and familial and household way so that you may know beyond a doubt that you have peace with the Most High God, all through Jesus Christ, your Savior. God grant that our elementary schools, our preschools, our middle schools, our high schools, our colleges, our universities, and yes, even our seminaries would continue this great and diligent task of raising up workers as the Lord calls them, of calling them from all manners and walks of life, And may our trust, even as we make plans here at Advent, be in the Lord who will always reveal His plans and who will always provide for that which we need to support our body and life. God grant us such faith and diligence and order in the name of Jesus. Amen.